So Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints of Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making a request for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think of you, or to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the, def- the defence and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offence till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is God's word, and let's pray before we dive into it together. Lord God, as we look at your word now, we ask that you would work within each one of our hearts, grow us to greater understanding of your word. And as we grow in that understanding of your word, may our love for you, may our love for you be more evident and how we use that knowledge. Use us for your glory through our time spent in your word this morning, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we are leaving our Old Testament narrative of 1 Samuel behind us. Now we did spend a long time in that. But in leaving that behind we come to a very different type of uh, stylistic writing. This is a, a letter written to to people. It was written around probably 50 to 60 AD. Now this letter, the book of Philippians, if you were to summarise this this, this book in one word, I think encouragement would be the one to go with. That's mine. You can disagree with me. But that's what I think. I think encouragement is how we could summarise the book of Philippians. See, what's happening... In this book, first of all, we're looking at just setting the scene here with our kicking off this morning. Paul is writing to a bunch of Christians who, in their faith, seem to be tracking fairly well. Now, Paul has at other times used the language of of people being his children in the faith. Now, you might remember Paul talking about Timothy being his son in the faith in particular. Now, if you were to apply that to church bodies... You'd probably see a range of different behavioural types come out in different churches that you could probably relate to different children. You might think of the Corinthians as being a letter to a troubled child. Saw um, Anna's parents this week and Anna's dad made the remark, so that would be the letter to you, Callum. Very loving father-in-law. I did tell him I'd use that in my sermon today and he was okay with that. So we see some of those letters which are more written to perhaps the troubled children. Now, the Philippians, while they're not perfect, they were overall 
a well-behaved church. And his dad reckons this was probably to one of my brothers. They'd supported Paul and they'd been a remarkable witness of faithfulness. Now, they weren't perfect. They had their troubles. They had their troubles with themselves. And some of the troubles that the Philippian church faced were from outside as well. They did face internal struggles, but they faced external struggles as well. Now, it's hard to know exactly what the struggles they faced were, but Paul does talk to them in this letter about persecution. And he talks to them about persecution as if this is something that that they have personally experienced. Persecution is not a stranger to this church in Philippi. But still, overall, they're, they're tracking fairly well in the faith. Now, just a little bit more background. At the time when Paul wrote this, he was in prison. He refers in our reading this morning to being in chains. And while he was in prison, uh, Nero was the emperor in Rome. Now, one of the interesting dynamics of God preserving his word comes through that statement. That when Paul wrote this, he was in prison and Nero was the emperor in Rome. Now, what you might not know about Emperor Nero, I'm sure you know about him burning Christians alive. I'm sure you know about him burning a whole heap of Rome and trying to blame the Christians for starting those fires. But what you might not know about Nero is that he is somebody who is described by historians as a prolific author. Frank Thielman's commentary makes a note that Paul is in prison, probably writing on very stiff parchment with not the greatest quality of ink, whereas Nero would have had the best quality parchment, the best inks. But there are very, very few of Emperor Nero's works that remained. But here we have this letter written by a man in chains, preserved by God for us to read today. It's preserved because God meant this, yes, to be for the Philippians, but also to be for all people at all times. God has preserved his word for us. That's cause for us to celebrate as we come to this letter. Maybe when we, we read these letters, there are personal things that come out. There are people, there are names named, particularly in chapter 4, there were two ladies who had a bit, of a bit of a Barney going on. We might feel as if we're opening up somebody else's mail and reading that. Now, to some degree, we are. But don't feel bad. Don't feel bad about that. As we open this, this is God's preserved word for you. God has kept this for us to read today. Now, before we specifically dig into today's text, I'll just make one more note about the book of Philippians as a whole. There's four themes that really run through the whole book. The first is it's about Christian unity. Secondly, it teaches about, it teaches about suffering in the faith. Thirdly, it talks a heap about the relationship between God's grace and human works. And fourthly, Paul talks to the Philippians as a church and by extension us as well. Paul talks to the Philippians about how they as a church are to interact with the sinful culture that surrounds it without compromising in the faith. So keep an eye out for those things as we work through this together. 
Now, I can send those out if you didn't write them down or if you forget them, that's fine. So diving into the text today, our first, uh, first real point looking at the text is thankfulness in chains. Now, these first 11 verses, we, we've got them together this morning. I've titled the sermon, Relentless Thankfulness. Relentless thankfulness. Keep in mind, Paul is in chains, but this letter begins with a relentless thankfulness. Now, at the beginning of the letter, uh, we, we have those first two verses, which uh, we're probably quite familiar with if we've read any of Paul's other letters. Paul uses a, a cultural norm of, this is who I am, I'm writing to you, rather than signing off his name at the end of his letter or an email like we would today, the name comes first. Now, while we could look at this and just say, well, Paul was just using what was normal for the letter writing of the day, Paul takes what was normal in its general form and he superimposes the gospel on top of that. Those first two verses are rich in gospel. We might say that's just introduction, that's just saying hello, let's skip over that, but this is rich right from the beginning. From the outset, we see the humility that Paul has as a servant of Christ becoming just abundantly clear. Uh, what we have in the, the New King James, Paul refers to both himself and Timothy as bondservants of Jesus Christ. Now, the, the Greek word there, douloi, is not actually a, a household servant. He, he's actually designating himself and Timothy slaves. Paul starts off, Timothy and I... Yeah, we've gone around. Yes, we have a respected position within the life of the church because of how God is using us, but we are slaves to Christ. The humility of the gospel at work in the life of a person is clear right from the beginning. Paul sees himself as a slave of Christ. Something which we might arc up about today, something we might say is restrictive, something we might say is not a good thing, but as we go through, we see this in no way takes anything away from Paul's thankfulness for God. Paul can be a slave to Christ without any thankfulness in Christ being diminished. There's a whole heap we could say about those first two verses. One commentator I looked at had about 20 pages on those first two verses. There's a lot there. He, he might have been saying the same thing a little bit too often in my mind. But, but you can go on for a lot. I'm not going to inflict all of that on you. But those verses there, that they set the scene. It, it gives us a gospel introduction to what Paul is trying to do here. Paul is humbling God. He knows who he is before God. And he, he desires to promote the gospel which brings life, even as a prisoner. This is the beginning of the Philippians letter. So with that foundation laid, Paul then continues into the meat of his letter and he is beginning with thankfulness. Again, the whole first 11 just have these beautiful underscoring of thanks. It beautifully underscores thankfulness for the gospel. Thankfulness for assurances that God has made to Christians. Thankful for continued growth in Christ. Thankful for the work that God has done and continues to do. Thankfulness is just overflowing. It's coming out of these pages. It's just saturated with it. 
And while Paul is thanking these guys specifically, these Philippians specifically for things they have done, or rather thanking God for the things that he has caused the Philippians to do, we know a lesson. In Paul thanking God for the work he has done in the Philippians and for their response to the gospel, we learn a lesson. Often, we get caught up in being comfortable, don't we? Often we get caught up in what is for my good. What will help me? How can I be encouraged? How can I be fed spiritually? And sometimes, sometimes we don't stop and think as much as we should how can I be an encouragement to somebody else? Paul is providing a form of subtle ammunition for us to turn on ourselves at this point here and to consider our lives. Because our lives are about something far bigger than us as Christians. A work has begun. A work has begun in the life of a Christian. Now on Friday night, beginning at 9 o'clock, you probably forgot it like I did, even after writing about it in my sermon transcript, I still forgot it was on. We had the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games. The, the inauguration, I suppose you could say, of these 20... I'm not sure why we're calling it the 2020 Olympics. It's 2021. Now, the Olympics in Tokyo, they had the, the big opening ceremony. It's a huge production as we know. And probably forgot about like me. Now, some of you might already be thinking about going along in Brisbane in 2032. I'm not sure it's 2032 or 2033 now. I'm getting confused and doing my head in. But we see these big beginnings. We see these big beginnings in the world around us, things that are celebrated. Philippians, we see another inauguration or beginning. Now in verse 6, Paul talks about that. And he only uses this word one other place, which is in Galatians. But he talks about the work that God has done in the lives of the Philippians. God has begun a wonderful work. And what has that good work that God has begun brought about? We follow through, keeping in mind thankfulness, and it reaches almost a bit of a a pinnacle from verse 5. A fellowship with Paul in the gospel. There are a lot of things we should be thankful for in the lives of Christians around us. But what does Paul pick out as something which he is most thankful for the Philippians for? They partner with him in the gospel. They are of one mind in promoting the glory of God. Fellowship in the gospel is worth giving God thanks for. This is what the work, the, the, the beginning, the inauguration that God has done in us in bringing us into the kingdom of God by the work of the Holy Spirit has brought about. Like-minded people who love God and live for God and serve God together to the end of promoting the true gospel in all things. What a blessing. 
What a blessing that God is doing this work. Paul is right to give God thanks for this work and to bring the Philippians into his thankfulness to God for what God is doing in their lives. But once more, we need to ask ourselves a question. Is this us? I'm not sure about you, but sometimes you will find people who just rub you the wrong way. Are there times where Christians have rubbed you the wrong way? Are there times where rather than focus on the good things that are happening in a certain ministry, you say, well, I can't really be part of that because of X, Y, or Z. That person just irritates me. Now, there will be times where it's not wise for us to be involved in all sorts of ministries, but does that overtake our thankfulness for the believers around us? Paul poses a good question here for us to think through. Do we let our irritations... Our frustrations, perhaps our preferences, if it's doctrinal, it's a clear-cut matter, but if it's our irritations, frustrations and preferences getting in the way of partnering in the gospel, we're really going against what Paul is saying here at the start of Philippians, that we are to be thankful for and encourage this to happen all the more. There's a lot there for us to examine in ourselves. Are we genuinely thankful for gospel partners in the church? Because this is what comes of the work that God has done. The beginning work in verse 6. The work that's begun in the life of the believer. Is this something that we make a big deal about? We see millions of dollars thrown at an opening ceremony of the Olympics. Something which the commentators just criticise. But this life-saving, life-promoting work God has begun. Are we truly thankful for that? Is this something we regularly stop to give God thanks for? Paul, as often as he thinks about the Philippians, thanks God for this. Is this us? And remember once more, Paul is in chains. Paul would not be particularly loving his circumstances that he is currently experiences. But what he does love, he loves God. And in verse 7 and 8, he loves his fellow partakers of God's grace. These are his much-loved fellow gospel workers. We should learn from this. We should learn from this both from what Paul does as well as what the Philippians do. Acts chapter 16 is where we really see Paul come into contact with the Philippian church. And I'm sure we know the name Lydia, the the cloth seller, the the lady who is probably in fairly high standing. We see others there as well. They lived out the gospel. In Acts 16, we see them meeting together. They lived out the gospel by meeting together, by praying together, by studying the word together together. They were seemingly, by the way, it's written, a very visible witness for the rest of Philippi. That's what we are to be. When that work begins in us, we are to meet together, to pray together, to study the word together, 
and be a credible, visible witness to Brisbane. It's what we can learn from the Philippians. And what we can learn from Paul is this just incredible attitude. He is in chains, yet he is thankful. There will be. And there are things that will happen to us that are, that are far from what we would want. On various levels, all of us are going through things right now. Some things that are very difficult. But even then, even in those times, just as in the good times, take hold of this thematic thankfulness that just flows through these verses. It's not just a nice sentiment. This is what Christian hearts should be. Thankful to God in all things. Even thankful in chains. So Paul's focused on what God has done, what God is doing. But then, as we finish off this morning, there's also a thankfulness for what's ahead. And I think as we look at this final point this morning, Paul brings a very healthy perspective uh, to his thankfulness for the Philippians. It's a perspective and gives us a focal point that's important for us to remember. I had a, um, a soccer coach growing up who was incredibly hesitant to give any compliments to us as a team. Now, he told us at the end of one season that he, he didn't give us any compliments throughout the season. Because he thought we'd just settle for that. He thought if he told us, you're working well on that drill, we wouldn't try harder. Or that play's coming together nicely, we'd just settle for that and we wouldn't go any further. He didn't give us any compliments where we currently reach for fear that that would be it. Now, we didn't really enjoy that season very much. He was a very grumpy man, that one, actually. And while he is a grumpy man, and while he took a lot of the joy out of that season of soccer, admittedly, there is some truth to what he's saying. When we give compliments to people, there is perhaps a risk that that person will say, I've done it. I've got it together. I'll sort of sit back a little bit, and it's all going to be fine. Paul shows us through these verses that there is a godly way to give thanks for where people are currently at as well as to encourage them to keep moving forward, to negate that risk. Paul shows us that in verses 9 to 11. Now, I'm not saying this is what we do every time we thank somebody for something they've done. Because obviously Paul's thankful for what's ahead. If you were to always go up to somebody and say, thank you for what you've done here, but just keep moving forward, keep getting better, one, it can become very formulaic, two, it can become very annoying, and three, it can be disheartening. If there's never just thanks for what's currently there, for the work that God's currently done, if it's always looking to what's next, it can in some ways take away from what's already happened. But Paul, by God's grace, doesn't fall into either any of these traps that we're looking at here. Verses 9 to 11 is very good for all of us to keep in mind. Beginning at verse 9, I'll read this out. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent 
that you may be sincere and without offence until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Once more, Paul has done in these verses what some people, like my soccer coach, struggled to do, so they just don't do it. He has shown an incredible appreciation for where the Philippians are at. He is real about where they're at. He is thankful for where they're at. He is thankful for how they have been and are partnering with him in the gospel. He is full of thanks which he directs towards God, recognising God is the one who has really worked this to be. The Philippians have no doubt after reading this as to Paul's thankfulness for them as they are. But he goes further. He says, look up. Look ahead. Look beyond where you're currently at. Now, he's not saying that in a crystal ball sort of way where pull out your magical crystal ball and see exactly what circumstances you're going to face ahead. That would be unwise and not very Christian of Paul to do. I encourage you guys, if you have crystal balls, get rid of them. Not worth it. In these verses, Paul is asking them to look ahead and be thankful for what God will do because God has given the believer promises for tomorrow. And Paul is calling them to mind. His thankfulness is not just for what has been. His thankfulness is for what will come in the lives of these Christians Think about that. Consider our country as it stands right now. Consider the trajectory of legislations coming into play. Consider the fact that marriage as defined by God's word has been undermined and eroded within our society. Consider the fact that there are Increasing pushes for a devaluation of life, either at the beginning of life or the end of life. Consider these things. It's easy to look ahead and just be fearful. Now, the Philippians had faced persecution, they knew persecution. They face hardships just like we face hardships. But Paul says, look ahead and be thankful for what God will do. We do need to be real about those circumstances that we face in our society, particularly in our our immediate sphere. We need to be real about those things. While we need to be real about those things, And we need to be prepared to partner together in speaking the gospel into these things. The gospel must be heard where these matters are discussed. We can still look ahead with thankfulness for the continued work that God will do. Now, while that might not be big right here, right now for you, look at what that means. It means having more discernment. It's not easy to hop onto even a social media platform these days without moral grey areas being accepted as the the moral right. Discernment is crucial. 
and have godly discernment, which is what Paul is talking about here, to grow in discernment, that is a wonderful blessing for the Christian. It's a practical thing that God grows in us that allows us to better live out the holiness which reflects his character. It results in us approving even more of those things that are excellent. Paul is thankful here for the the tempering of our edges, for the smoothing of our edges that will allow us to live without causing undue offence, which again I think is a continuation of discernment. That we're discerning not just of things outside of us, but of our character as well and where the Spirit needs to work and asking that God would work in those areas. And then he goes even further, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. See, all of these things and more lie ahead for the believer. Yes, we live in difficult times. I think every generation can say we live in difficult times. But we still have God and his work to be thankful for. He will bring these things about in us. Submit to his word. Live out his word. Pray that the spirit might grow these and grow them well and that we might not get in the way of these things growing well. So as we finish this morning, to recap this foundational passage for the book of Philippians, in case you missed it, we are to be thankful. We are to be thankful for the partnerships in the gospel that we experience. You look around you. Look around this morning. We are surrounded by people who love God and are willing to partner in the gospel with us. Give God thanks for that. And then we we look at mission boards and we look at people who we support elsewhere, people who we know, both within, within our denomination and there are other faithful denominations as well. Give God thanks that there are Christians we partner in the gospel with. We are to continue in this thankfulness. We are to be thankful that while there are are many things right now that... We are to be thankful that there are many things right now in us that are good because God has caused that to be. Yes, we look ahead. Yes, we seek to grow. Yes, we seek to thrive in God's holiness. But look back at where we've come from. God has brought us to this point, so be thankful for the work that he has done. Be thankful for the work that he has done in the lives of the people around you. And there is more ahead. Give thanks. Give thanks to God. And also express that thankfulness to your brothers and sisters in Christ. To help them press on even more in humble obedience to our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ for the end that we see at the end of verse 11 to the glory and praise of God let's pray Lord God we thank you for uh, this first start of uh, the, the book of Philippians we thank you for the attitude of Paul We pray that we might learn from this. We rejoice in our thankfulness that we have in the life of the the, the spiritual life that you've brought to, to be in the lives of the people around us who know you and love you. 
We pray that we might grow in that thankfulness, that we might serve you more and look more to what you will do in us and around us. Lord God, help us in these things. May we remember in the good times and the bad times that you are God, that you are working, and there is nothing that will not be overcome by you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.